to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Thank you everyone for joining today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack, and today our guest is Josh Plave. Josh is a multifamily syndicator who specializes in helping investors use their retirement funds to passively invest. And through his company, Wall to Main, Josh provides all the tips and tricks needed to invest quickly, safely, and inexpensively with an existing retirement account. So we're grateful to have you on the show today, Josh. How are you doing? I'm great, Eileen. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about your background and how did you get started in real estate? Yeah, I like to take it back kind of uh, back to my teenage years. I'm a 30-year-old who's talking about retirement accounts and people kind of wonder why someone is interested in retirement accounts at a young age. I actually started when I was 16. I opened my first Roth IRA uh, after I worked a summer as a camp counselor. My grandfather and my mother, who were both CPAs, they suggested that I start looking out for my future. So I started investing through that. Uh, I've been trading in equities and you know, stocks and bonds and everything for the last 10, 15 years after that, and just kind of progressed from there, investing in what I knew at the time. And fast forward about 10 years from then, my mother and my grandfather, who I both I mentioned earlier, they both unfortunately passed away. Now, what they both did was they left myself as well as my sister's their retirement accounts. And so I was left with the retirement packages of a baby boomer and a member of the greatest generation. And, you know, they both built up, it wasn't a life-changing amount of money, but it was something that I needed to make sure I was going to be a good steward of. I was going to be able to look after, and I knew how I was going to deploy the funds and make sure I was preserving everything they'd worked for. So um, I started kind of focusing on what I wanted to control. And because I had been working, uh, you know, investing within stocks and bonds for so long, I understood that I wanted more control. I was not really excited about how little control I had over the performance of my account beyond the proper allocation. And so I started to look into real estate. And because I was still working a nine to five at the time, uh, I was able to kind of do a self-taught curriculum where I figured out where I wanted to jump in originally. Uh, I didn't want to kind of start small and work up big. I wanted to figure out what I wanted to do right away it ultimately ended up being multifamily and we worked from there. Oh, awesome. And so what was it about multifamily? And then what were kind of the steps that you took in order to kind of set everything up to be able to get those funds and everything? And then the, uh, you know, the paperwork and all that stuff ready to deploy into a multifamily investment. Yeah, it, it started because I originally, you know, I did it what everyone else does. You listen to podcasts and you attend webinar or you listen to, you watch webinars, you attend meetings and, uh, you do everything you can to learn. And everybody across the board was saying, yeah, you want to start like one unit, then two units, then four, then eight, then 16. You, you want to like scale. And everybody kept on falling on to the end. And they would say, you know, I just want to do syndications. I just want to do something big. And so this, this was in the back of my mind that, you know, syndications was an idea. Uh, and then I started looking more into it and realized it made sense. You know, you're not necessarily buying the actual real estate, you're really investing and working around a business that happens to own real estate. Uh, and so I understood things from a numbers perspective. I was an, an, an analyst or an, I did analytics for a living, essentially. Uh, I don't know how else to describe it, uh, but I sat in Excel all day long. Uh, and so 
this is, it's a big numbers exercise. It's a big understanding your pro forma, understanding your financials and, uh, and just operating and controlling a business is really the underlying fundamental behind real estate, behind multifamily. And so I was very excited to get involved in it, but I knew it would take some time. Uh, multifamily is the kind of operation that it takes uh, quite the haul to actually start up. So what we did was we started deploying our funds into private money lending. Uh, just to kind of keep that velocity of capital up, make sure we were doing something with it while we still controlled it, but I still wanted to have it involved in real estate. And so what we did to start all of that was I sort of looked into the avenues of what I needed to figure out within my retirement account and how I could best deploy it. I started looking at the types of accounts that were available to us, what we could do with them, how I could do so inexpensively and grow it without being penalized for growing it. I eventually found, in my opinion, checkbook control IRAs are the way to go, at least for me. And I think a lot of passive investors would benefit from that as well, because you don't get, you get charged additional fees as you grow the account. You know, as an investor, the goal is to grow the balance of your overall account. And a lot of places will charge you based on the account value. So if you continue to grow it, you end up paying more in fees. And so I wanted a structure where I was going to make sure that I was just paying a small annual fee. uh, And I could just go on from there and invest in things that I knew how to, I was able to scale it in a way that I knew how to. And so you mentioned the the checkbook. How did you find which company to utilize in order to set that account up? Yeah, it took a little bit of a bit of learning, which is ultimately why I ended up creating my company, Walter Main. I There's really no one place that all the education was at. And so I ended up learning from different providers and people who were setting up and establishing accounts for people. And you kind of learn in a piecemeal way. Uh, and eventually when I found a provider who was able to give me some clear, coherent answers to my questions and knew quite a bit more than just kind of like an account rep who was a salesperson who was just trying to sell me on a custodial account, I ended up going with them. I, I have a partnership now with a company called Safeguard Advisors. And the cool thing is not only can they help you establish an account, but they also will be there to advise you into the future and let you know if uh, certain transactions you're doing are prohibited within the IRA or 401k. And you can give them a holler if you have any questions of a different kind of transaction that you're undergoing. If it's different than what you've done before, and you maybe have some questions about who you can work with, they've got all those answers. And so I felt really at home understanding that, okay, I'll pay some money up front and I'll make sure that I have somebody by my side in perpetuity to make sure that my account is in safe hands. And so then what about multifamily and real estate attracted you instead of like the traditional stocks and 401ks? Yeah, it's funny. Multifamily, I work with a bunch of investors now and multifamily is kind of that space where a lot of people, as they go to invest, think, or they say to you, hey, this is a hold period of five, six, seven years. My money is going to be tied up for quite some time. And I've heard this question a lot from other people who are in multifamily. I actually haven't heard that once with any of my retirement investors because you know, with a retirement account, you're not really going to touch it for the next 20, maybe 30 years. And so five, six, seven year hold periods are not really out of, they're not out of whack with the, the goals of your retirement account. It's also one of the few opportunities that really lets you leverage up your retirement account. Typically you have to buy assets within within the, the retirement account in cash, whether they're stock or a single family home, but within multifamily, you can actually leverage your account. And overall, multifamily as a whole is just a much more stable asset class. Uh, You know, um, one of the reasons I built it is from a conversation, my company, one of the reasons I built my company is I had a conversation with my dad when we were trying to plan his eventual retirement in the next 10 years. We were trying to figure out the market cycle and 
uh, when he was going to retire and if his 401k would really be there for him when he retired, because we knew we'd have to tap into it at some point, but would it be just after the market collapsed? Uh, what would happen? And so I took a look at everything from 1990 until about 2020 for the last 30 years or so. And I wanted to compare the two. And I saw that the S&P 500 is actually 58% more volatile than multifamily. And so multifamily just provides those steady, reoccurring 9 10% returns every single year as a whole, industry as a whole. And it's even more stable than long-term U.S. Treasury bonds. So uh, it's got that nice bond-like uh, capital preservation while still providing some stable returns and allowing you to always have that account balance for you whenever you do need to tap into the account. So what happens, let's say you take and you create a self-directed IRA or something like that, and you're using these retirement funds to invest in a multifamily, and then you have the whole period of about five to seven years. And let's say in five years, the property or the investment goes full cycle and now they've sold it. What kind of happens at that point? And then does it go back into your retirement fund? And then in terms of like taxes, and how can you redeploy that into the next investment? Yeah, this is an important question, an important plan to really have going into it. At the end of five years, let's start with where the money goes. Money always comes in and out of the retirement account. Expenses and income have to be controlled within just the retirement account. You can't touch any of the income unless you're considering a distribution. Uh, you can do that if you're 59 and a half. You can always take distributions because you're within retirement age, or you can take a early withdrawal penalty of 10%. And then from there, there is a tax consideration to make, especially or to go over, especially within multifamily. So when you invest in a leveraged asset like multifamily, uh, you're using non-tax deferred dollars from the bank or a lender to aid your tax deferred dollars in your IRA or your 401k, whatever it is. And so because you're bringing in outside money, that's going to provide some benefits to that retirement account, you actually have to pay some taxes on just the portion of income that is earned by that outside source. And so the way I like to describe it is if we're buying a building with 75% leverage, you're going to pay what's called, you're going to earn unrelated debt financed income, UDFI. You're going to earn UDFI in about 75% of the property for the first year. And then you end up having to pay taxes on that, which is called unrelated business income tax, UBIT. And so what you have to do is you have to pay taxes on a portion of the income that you are earning. But the nice thing is because that is non-tax deferred dollars, those dollars can actually make use of depreciation, operating expenses, interest expenses at their pro rata share of the leverage. And so you can use about 75% of those as well to help offset it. Now, UBIT's a big consideration when it comes to investing with your IRA. A lot of people make their career off of scaring people from investing with these accounts in a leveraged asset because it is kind of unknown. So because I personally wanted to use my IRAs to invest in multifamily, I ended up building a UBIT calculator. Uh, I now provide this for my investors and it allows me to take a look at what the expected expenses are. As multifamily operators, we always provide uh, the expected returns of what our investment would look like, what we think, what we can achieve. And so with this, I can provide the expected taxes within an IRA. And so I can specifically go out and look for properties that best align with my investors because they are going to be incurring certain taxes. And we can see that for the first, let's say three or four years for most properties, you're not going to see much of a tax. And it's really on the capital gains event, like a sale uh, or a refinance above your original capital balance. Uh, that's when you're going to see a larger overall impact. And it's just something you need to be aware of. We love hosting this show. 
When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. So for the UBIT, what percentile of the taxes are you paying? Is it like a typical worker's uh, tax rate or is it at what bracket or would it be in? Yeah, it operates within the trust tax rate table. And so there's two different levels. And with multifamily, you're probably going to achieve the highest ones. You ultimately, and this is going to sound scary, you ultimately have to pay a 37% tax on capital gains. And so, yeah, it sounds scary. But <laughs> some of the depreciation and expenses that you have will offset that. But then, you know, you do have to pay some amount of tax. And so what that ends up looking like, what we have seen, you know, kind of annualized out over the life of a deal, you're going to see somewhere between about a four to 6% impact on your investment. So just a very generic, typical multifamily deal. Let's say that it's a two-time multiplier on your capital over a five-year period. Okay. So that's a 20% return annually. You're probably looking at somewhere between a 14 to 16% return uh, with your IRA after taxes have to be paid. And personally, I think this is still a worthwhile investment. It's kind of one of those situations where the more you earn, the more you'll pay in taxes, the less you earn, the less you pay in taxes. And so you shouldn't really be scared of the overall tax implication. It's just something you should be aware of. So then are you paying the taxes typically like as you're incurring them or at the end when you at retirement age? Yes, yeah, so they're paid as you incur them. So they're paid throughout the tax year. So the nice thing is, as I mentioned, cash flow, you typically have to pay it. But you asked a great question earlier when you said what happens with the taxes when you have to pay them and what happens when you have to reinvest. And so one of the issues uh, that a lot of people don't notice is let's say we have one of these tax events in November and then we find another great multifamily property in December or January or sometime before we have to pay the taxes in April. Uh, if you end up reinvesting 100% of those funds within your account, they're now locked up for five, six years. And so you can't pay the UBIT taxes. So you have an issue there where you, you have an illiquid investment and you haven't properly thought through your tax implication from the previous investment. So every time that they, you do incur the, the taxes, you need to be aware of how much you need to set aside and not reinvest again to pay those taxes. And that's why you should really hire and work with a CPA who understands this investment style. So would you engage in the CPA before identifying in the next investment opportunity or when it gets closer to exiting a current investment that you're involved in? I would say both. You would probably want to loop them in onto both. It is tricky at times because you won't receive that K-1 until uh, you know March, April. It takes a while to receive that. But if you have an idea of what the property is going to sell for, they can probably get a feel for the overall impact and ballpark how much you should really leave behind. You probably shouldn't be investing anyways, 100% of an account balance, but they can give you a rough idea of how much to leave behind. And then also you can give them an idea of, of what you're looking to deploy and how you're looking to maneuver it into a future investment. 
So for someone who's just starting and maybe considering uh, creating a retirement fund in order to invest in some type of real estate or investment or something like that, so all of this seems, it can be kind of overwhelming. And so what are kind of like the first steps needed to take if you're like kind of interested and you want to learn more a little bit about this and making sure that you're taking the right steps? Yeah. I mean, the way I like to describe it is it looks very daunting from the outside. And that's kind of why I started all this and why I'm trying to, as many people know how I've figured it out, because it looks intimidating from the outside, but it's the kind of thing, once you learn the few steps and the few rules and regulations surrounding it, there's like five to 10 things you need to know, and and you can kind of operate it. It's kind of like riding a bike. Once you know it, you, you understand it going forward. I tried to essentially put everything together in either video format or text-based content on my website, walltomain.com. Uh, there I have kind of, in my opinion, everything you need to know as a passive investor in multifamily uh, to properly operate with your retirement account. Again, there's, it's really like, it's like 30 minutes of video that at least I put together, but there's stuff out there. It's not, it's the kind of thing, if you're a curious mind and you know what you need to look out for, you can learn all of that very quickly and then feel confident in operating forward. And so, you know, typically in a 401k or like a Roth or something like that, you contribute monthly or annually or however you want to do it to the, to those accounts. And then you kind of leave it there and then you kind of look in and you kind of manage some of those investment opportunities and the different ways that you can invest those funds or something. Is it the same way with uh, if you're going to do a self-directed IRA? Yeah, it's very similar. If it's in multifamily, obviously you can't can't do too much beyond uh, have those communications with the actual operator. But yeah, I mean, the nice thing is there are a lot of uh, custodians out there who facilitate a lot of different things that you can do. I work with another company called Rocket Dollar, and you can invest in gold, cryptocurrency, you can invest in all kinds of alternate asset classes. You can even continue to invest in equities, stocks, ETFs, mutual funds. If you have like a $300,000 account balance, you don't have to put it all in one place. You don't have to uh, have it just at one custodian. You can have it in multiple places and still have control and just diversify across a, a number of different asset classes. And so if there's like the top three things that you need to know before investing or creating a self-directed IRA, what would those three things be? That's a good question. I've never been asked that one before. The first one is understanding the rules. There are some small ones. Like one, you can't invest in collectibles like art, jewelry, cars, alcohol, things like that. And there's a, a couple other prohibitation or prohibited items that you can't um, invest in, but it's really pretty open. Let's see. Another thing that you shouldn't know of is uh, disqualified persons. These are the people that you can't invest your retirement dollars you know, with, who can't be involved in the, in the investment as well. And I like to think of your retirement account like it's another person. So you actually cannot influence the overall, um, the overall, uh, success of your retirement account. And so I like to say, like, if you were buying a uh, property to flip, for example, you could buy it in your retirement account. You could even manage the entire property and call the general contractors who are going to work on it, but you yourself can't go in there and swing a hammer or sweep a broom. You can't provide what's called sweat equity because your retirement account, your future dollars would be benefiting from current day you. And it kind of works vice versa. You can't benefit from your retirement dollars. So you can't buy yourself a house and then pay your retirement account, like $3,000 a month in rent, low cost of living place. So yeah, that's probably the second one. There are some other people you need to be aware of. Uh, and the third one is really just understanding the different account types. There are custodian accounts out there. And then as I've mentioned, there are checkbook control accounts, the custodian accounts, they sit with that, within the custodian themselves. 
And every time you have an investment, you have to fill in paperwork and send that in and have to get approved and they have to check everything. And and in the end, the custodian themselves are not fiduciaries. They're not there to look out for your financial best interest. Uh, they're really there to make sure that they're complying with the IRS, but they're available or they're allowed to charge all kinds of fees. Uh, and what I really like about checkbook control is ultimately it doesn't sit at the custodian. You have greater control over it. You pay a lower annual fee and you can, I like joke, you can find a, a deal at breakfast and fund it by lunch. It's really it's simple. Uh, it operates just like cash. Uh, you just pay a wiring fee every time you wanted to get it done. And you don't have to worry about the paperwork not being done in time to invest in a deal. Awesome. Thank you, Josh. And so what is next for you? What are you looking to do? Uh, you know, this year is all about, uh, you know, last year was interesting. This year is all about finding more of those deals that I think a lot of multifamily operators found in the fall and the winter when things kind of came back online. And so we're looking for properties that that just fit with retirement accounts. I look generally between 90 and 250 units across the Southeast. And we're looking for, uh, you know, B and C class properties mostly uh, that just fit the retirement account profile and the investment profile of a retirement account investor. And Josh, how has real estate investing impacted your life? Yeah, this is an interesting one. It's recently, I have recently been reminded of how important what I'm doing is. My wife is currently set eight or nine months pregnant, actually. When she was seven months pregnant, she was actually let go from her job. Uh, and so we had an issue where a, a large source of our income was gone. And so she's, she can't really go back and, and get a new job when you're like seven or eight months pregnant. And so the nice thing was we have multifamily investments. We have other real estate investments, and those are continuing to cash flow and help us along through this and make sure that we can get through this moment. And so we're not in any financial duress, luckily, because of it. And it, this is essentially why I've established everything. And it, of course, it's going to have a financial impact, but it lets me sleep at night a lot more uh, soundly because I know I don't have to worry about the market plummeting and, and then I have even less available to me. So uh, it just gives me a, a greater amount of reassurance. Oh, and congratulations on the expectation of the new little baby. Thank it's you. an exciting time in your lives. Yeah. And what is one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? From my perspective, you can learn everything you want to know actually about how things operate and how they different, find your different investment uh, style. But when it comes to actually becoming an entrepreneur and working within uh, real estate, you have to understand essentially kind of you are the linchpin of your business and you need to understand how you operate. And I think there's really two, there's two mindsets here. Uh, there's the, the mindset of, I know what I'm good at and I need to focus on what I'm good at, ignore what I'm bad at because I'm, what I'm good at is going to be what makes me money. On the flip side, there is also, what am I bad at? Like what's going to be my downfall in my business because I am not productive. I am not, I can't hold myself accountable, whatever it is. And I say that because I have an issue with accountability. Going from a nine to five job and working as an entrepreneur is different. It's a very different process. And I try to be as open as I can about it. It's difficult holding yourself accountable to make sure you're doing certain tasks. And so kind of gaming yourself into some sort of a productive level where you're getting those tasks accomplished is important. And just understanding where your entrepreneurial weaknesses lie, because you can always train yourself to be better. And what is one thing that successful people part in the real estate investing business? I would be very surprised if your listeners haven't heard or noticed a consistent message here. And it, it's consistency. 
it's banging your head against a wall, understanding that it's going to take a million attempts to get the results you want, but understanding that if you do it enough times and you know that you have the right strategy in place, you just need to execute however many times it takes and you'll have success. Yeah. Consistency is key. And then at the same time, keeping up your spirits and just keep pushing away at it. Yeah. And are there any tools or techniques that you've used to improve the efficiency of your business or your personal life? Yeah, I, this is, I mean, a very specific active campaign, really any kind of CRM uh, that helps communicate with your investors or your clients or whoever it is in your business, being able to do that and being able to provide content to potential investors, being able to communicate with them and then show them what we're able to offer them consistently uh, while I'm out. I actually just was able to do all of this and consistently communicate with an investor while I was driving uh, the other day. Uh, I wasn't even, I got home and, and I saw an email that I had a new investor. It's a really nice system where I'm able to kind of provide automated basis, all the things that I need to communicate within my business uh, to someone without having to replicate it every single time uh, individually. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Josh, for coming on and sharing your experience and how we can use uh, retirement accounts to help with our investments in real estate. And I definitely appreciate all the knowledge that you shared today. And if our listeners wanted to find out more about you and what you do, Josh, where can they go? Yeah, they can find me at wall2main.com. And there I have a free PDF that I would love to share with people. It's called the uh, top 10 tips and tricks when investing in multifamily with your retirement account. And in that, I just give kind of all the different little things you need to look out for ways you can help your account to minimize the the impact of those or best make use of your overall retirement account uh, that you have available to you when you decide to deploy it within real estate. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Josh. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifacecapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.